Our reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 27. And just to um, set the scene, Paul, the Apostle Paul is in a boat as a prisoner heading to Rome. From verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force caused the northeaster, sorry, called the northeaster, swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cowder, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should, not, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that will happen just, it will happen just as he told me. And this is God's precious word. I just again would like to take an opportunity to say a very big thank you to Ash, a very big thank you to Pam, um, and all the team who did such an incredible job last Sunday night with our carols. Can we give them a warm hand of appreciation? It was just such a wonderful time, and I've had nothing but glowing reports all week of people commenting on just how fabulous it was. And uh, I'm just so mindful that there are so many who put so much time into making last Sunday night a very special time for, for many. Uh, and it felt as though there were more people here who don't normally come to this church than those who do, uh, which is great. And uh, so I want to thank you all for everyone who was involved in what was just a great time. Well, if you're joining us for the first time this morning, uh, this December period, we're looking at a series called God with us. And the theme verse comes from uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. It would help if I turn this on. There we are. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And the reality is that we experience God in different ways through the various seasons and stages of lives. 
Um, so we've been particularly talking about some of those more difficult seasons and stages of life and being reminded of the fact that God is with us in those times. We began by talking about the valley from Psalm 84, the valley of Barker, the valley of tears, uh, that those who pass through the valley of Barker will make it a place of springs. They will go from strength to strength, that even in the valley, God is with us. And God can use those painful and sometimes tearful experiences to draw us into a more intimate relationship with Him. Our key thought for that particular message was we may enjoy God on the mountaintops, but we get to know Him intimately in the valley, in the valley experience of life. Last Sunday, we considered the wilderness experience and we looked at Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and how he ran away from Queen Jezebel when she threatened his life. And Elijah uh, was in the wilderness having seen God work miraculously. He was absolutely at the end of his rope And we saw in that beautiful passage of 1 Kings 19, God whisper to Elijah. And we talked about the fact that sometimes in the wilderness, God whispers. Why does he whisper? Because he's close. Because he's with us. And the key thought or the idea from last week's message was that our deepest need can become a gift when it drives us to depend on God. And sometimes it's not until we're in those wilderness experiences that we come to the very end of ourselves, that we have zero resource left, that we become completely and entirely reliant and dependent upon God. And it's in those moments, it's in those places that God can really do a powerful work in our lives. And all of a sudden, the terrible thing that drove us to this place has now, in fact, become a gift. And today, we're considering what it means for God to be with us in the storms. And as I mentioned earlier, how timely for us to be talking about storms after last Thursday's hailstorm. I spoke to someone yesterday who said that by 7am on Friday morning, there were already $8 million worth of claims just for automobiles. So that's not even any of the damage to houses and so forth and commercial buildings. It was remarkable, was it? And I think one of the distinctives of a storm is that it can almost just come out of nowhere. It can come out of nowhere and it can do incredible damage. It can do incredible damage. It can even even, um, cause a life-threatening situation. And often the damage that is caused during a destructive storm can take such a long time to clean up. It's a long time to clean up. And we'll think about maybe some types of storms that have affected us in our lives. And you might reflect upon uh, that damage is still, in fact, being repaired to this day. It's an ongoing work. Um, I've heard it said 
I've heard this said, that in life, it oftentimes feels as though we're either in a storm, we're coming out of a storm, (laughs) or about to enter into a storm. (laughs) It's not a very encouraging statement, is it? (laughs) But depending on where you're at, you might really relate and resonate. We're going to look at Acts 27 this morning. We're going to look at a particular uh, real storm, as Nigel read, who was was in um, on on a boat that became shipwrecked, and look at Paul's experience, but also relate Um, what it means for God to be with us in the storms that we face in life. I was recently remembered, he's not here this morning, but last Sunday Trevor Fizz told me that he started reading The Road Less Travelled. And I um, fondly remember reading this book in my 20s. I don't really remember the contents of the book, but I will never forget the opening sentence. It really taught me a lot. And this is it. Life, this is how the book opens. Life is difficult This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. Took a 20-year-old a fair bit of convincing. But it's never, left, it's never left me, and, uh, and, and many of us would agree that, yes, there are, there are tremendous times in life, there are mountaintop experiences, but the reality is that life is difficult, and there are oftentimes difficult things we are negotiating. Even we might say, well, look, 90% of my life at the moment is great, but there's this 10% at the moment, whether it be perhaps a relationship with a person or a financial situation, maybe your, your job, I'm not sure. But very rarely is there a time when everything in life is just roses, right? <laughs> and so that's where particularly an understanding of the fact that life is difficult can be really helpful. When we find ourselves in a storm, in a difficult situation, it's very easy to question the presence of God, to ask where God is. And oftentimes in a storm, people either choose to blame God, like, why did God allow this to happen? Or they actually use the storm as an opportunity to deny God's existence. Like, because of this storm that I'm in, there surely cannot be a God. So storms can, can, can oftentimes for people cause them to blame God or to deny His existence. The big thought for us this morning is this. Never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. In this story that we're going to look at this morning in Acts 27, the Apostle Paul is, now it's right near the end of the book of Acts, authored by Luke. There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts, and this is the 27th. Paul comes to faith, I think, around, might be chapter 8, 9, or 11. Um, Up to that point, he's not even a part of the story. Once Paul has his dramatic experience on the road to Damascus, he then actually goes into the wilderness 
for a period of time of learning and growing and testing. He then spends time with Peter and the other disciples in Jerusalem. And as, we know, as many of us would know, the Apostle Paul becomes uh, an incredible evangelist for the gospel. Uh, a lot of the New Testament, most of the New Testament epistles were written by Paul. And they were written by Paul as he was going around through the Asia Minor and Europe area planting churches. Um, we read of Paul's uh, three significant missionary journeys uh, in the book of Acts after he comes to faith and after the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15. After a period of time on his third missionary journey, Paul is arrested and he goes, he has a number of trials. Um, but then it becomes apparent that he's having these trials in the Jerusalem area. And it becomes apparent that he is actually a citizen of Rome and therefore he actually needs to go and face Caesar for the charges that have been brought against him. And that's the context of this morning's passage. Paul is on a ship with... There are 276 other passengers, uh, of which Paul is one of those, on this ship to Italy or to Rome where Paul will face Caesar. He is a... Um, uh, a prisoner on the ship, and the ship becomes shipwrecked. But on the ship, Paul encounters and experiences God in quite an incredible way, which can be an encouragement to us that in the storms of life, God is with us. We read in verse 27, uh, sorry, chapter 27, verse 20, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days... And the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. The storm had been raging for days. They hadn't seen the sun nor any stars for days. And at that point, they lost all hope of being saved. They had, in effect, resigned themselves to the fact that all 276 members would lose their lives. And when we lose all hope, it can be a very dark place to be in. A very dark place to find ourselves in. You might find yourself, maybe you found yourself, maybe you're in this place now. It could be a relational storm. It could be a health-related storm. It could be a financial storm. It could be a vocational storm. Um, you might find yourself in a place, or perhaps in the past you've found yourself in a place where you've lost all hope. And that's where Paul and all of the other crew members were. It's a very, very dark place to be. We then read in verse 21, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Earlier in verse 10, we read Paul uh, warning and advising the sailors of the ship not to set sail because somehow he knew that there was going to be a ferocious storm that would cause great damage. And so, in a sense, 
All of these crew members are in a storm because they actually made a decision to be there. Now, not everyone on, the, on that boat had input into that decision. But here we have a situation that was brought about by the choices of men, choices of people. And there are times in life where we're in a storm and it's got nothing to do with what we've done. There might have been circumstances beyond our control. There may be other people that have inflicted things upon us that have caused us great damage. But there are times in life when we find ourselves in a storm because of no fault of our own. There are other times in life when we find ourselves in a storm because of unwise choices we've made. Maybe we've mismanaged our money. Maybe we've allowed our emotions to get the better of us. And we've said something that we shouldn't have that causes great damage. Uh, Maybe we have ignored the advice of people who love us and have our best interest at heart. And in these times when we can see, when we can actually look at the situation and say, if I hadn't have made that really dumb choice, I may not be where I am. It's really difficult in those times to believe that God will rescue us. (laughs) You know, when we're in a storm, when we're in a really difficult situation because of something that has happened to us, no fault of our own, yeah, it's in one sense, it's easier to believe that God might bail us out, God might help relieve us of that situation or even be with us in that situation. But when we wind up in a situation that's really difficult and really hard because of choices we have made, I think it's a lot harder to believe that God is with us and that God is going to journey through with us. We have a tendency to kind of blame ourselves, don't we? I think, I made this silly mistake. Surely God can't rescue me. Surely God can't be with me in this. And it seems as though that's the the place that Paul and all of these other passengers were in. They were in this storm because of a really bad choice that was made. No matter how you got into a storm, never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. The text goes on. This is Paul speaking to the rest of the crew members. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. What blessed words of relief. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So here's Paul, and we have to assume that he was one of the 276 who had lost all hope. It was total black, no sun, no stars for days. They hadn't eaten the ship was becoming so bad, the the storm was becoming so bad, they were throwing cargo overboard, they were eventually throwing all their grain and food overboard. These people, Paul included, had given up all hope and expected that they would lose their lives. And in that 
place in that moment, an angel of the Lord came and stood beside Paul and encouraged him with words of hope. Paul, you will not die. And all of the other passengers upon this ship will not die. Keep up your courage. What a powerful illustration of God with us, of Emmanuel in the midst of a storm, turning up and demonstrating in the presence of an angel God's powerful presence with one of his own. God with us. There are all kinds of ways in life that God is with us that we probably don't even see or understand. You see, firstly, there is so much more to this world than just the physical, what we see. Ephesians 6.12 reminds us that we're not in a battle against flesh and blood. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And that means that there are angels who are all the time fighting for and protecting you and I in that spiritual battle. There may be circumstances and situations in our lives where a guardian angel or an angel has stood beside us, unbeknownst to us, and has protected us. It's really quite a thought, isn't it? Some people have have even experienced witnessing an angel come and rescue them or be with them. I've heard people say that they have experienced a presence that they can describe as none other than the presence of God being with them in a certain situation. And it's as if an angel was there representing God and giving a sense of his protection and his presence. God is with us in that he hears our prayers. Whenever we pray to God, he is with us. He answers those prayers in accordance to his will. God is with us in his Holy Spirit dwelling within us. God is with us in all kinds of ways. He leads us, he guides us more than we could ever know or truly understand. And this is affirmed all through Scripture. Here's a verse again that Paul writes to Timothy. Different context altogether, but affirms God's presence with him. At my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me, said Paul. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. So that through the message, so that through me, the message, the gospel message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. There were clearly times in Paul's life where he felt the tangible presence of the Lord by his side, giving him strength. The psalmist will say the same thing. Psalm 16, verse 8. I keep my eyes on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Now, there are times in life where this is not our felt experience. Our felt experience is anything but having the Lord with us at our right hand. But sometimes we need to exercise our faith. And there are times in life when it may not feel as though the Lord is right beside us, 
But if we have faith and trust in the promises of God's word, we can join the psalmist and we can say, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord and I know that he is by my side. Many of us will be familiar with another, a different story of a storm, but a powerful story nonetheless in Matthew 8, where Jesus is out on the boat with his disciples and a fierce squall or a storm comes up and the disciples fear for their lives and they think they're going to die and Jesus is asleep. The disciples wake Jesus and the first thing that he does is he rebukes them for their lack of faith. They didn't feel Safe, even though Jesus was there in the boat. They feared for their lives. The first thing that Jesus does is he rebukes their faith. Men and women of God, when we find ourselves in the storm, it is time to exercise our faith. Our feelings might tell us that God is a thousand miles away. Our faith informs us that God is with me in the boat. Jesus is with me in the boat. And Jesus calms the storm by saying, peace. And all of a sudden, the storm is calmed. And the disciples' hearts are calmed. Who is this man? They say, never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Real peace is not found in the absence of a storm. Real, true, lasting peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Jesus himself, one of Andy's favorite verses, said to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Life is difficult, Scott Peck says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I just love this so that in me you may have peace. Peace is not found in a trouble-free life. That is a false theology. We will never have a trouble-free life. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, then we will know real, lasting peace through it all. Is Jesus in your boat That is the more important question, isn't it, in the face of a storm? It's actually not the storm that is the issue. The issue is, is Jesus in your boat? You know, there's so many things, as we saw on Thursday, that we cannot control in a storm. We we cannot control when a storm hits. We cannot control how long it will last. We cannot control how much damage it will cause. You know, in life there are people that we, or that we cannot control what people think about us. We cannot control what people say about us. We cannot control what other people do to us. 
There are so many things in storms and in life that we cannot control. What can we control? We can control where we place our trust. We can control where we place our beliefs. And our belief tells us that even though it may not feel as though Jesus is in the boat, our faith informs us that he is. And we choose to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we will experience the peace of God. And this is why it is referred to as a peace that surpasses all understanding because it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. And here, brothers and sisters, in these moments, do we have a powerful opportunity to give witness to our faith. Because when people see the situation that we are in and we are presenting a presence of peace, people will look at that and say, what is going on? And the answer is, this is awful. This is terrible. It's not about being fake. We can actually be genuinely real about how difficult this is. But then we can explain who's in the boat and how that makes all the difference. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. It's as if the psalmist says, no matter what happens to me, I will not be afraid. Why? Because Emmanuel, God with us, is with me. He is my comforter. He is my deliverer. He is my shield. He is my refuge. He is my stronghold. He is my righteousness. He is my good shepherd. He is my guide. He is my living water. He is the bread of life. He is my peace. And true peace is not found in a trouble-free life. True peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Never allow the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. My faith is not in what I see. My faith is in what God says. And God says, I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be at peace. He is close. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, there are times through life when our lived and our felt experience is so difficult for us to reconcile because there are times when it feels as though you are so far away and we can find ourselves questioning you, questioning your presence, even questioning your very existence. And yet, Lord, we've been reminded this morning that in these moments, you call us to exercise our faith and to put our trust in you to believe that you are with us, to believe that your word is truth and your word tells us that you are with us to the very end of this age. Lord Jesus, at this very special time of the year where we remember and celebrate your first advent, you coming to earth as a vulnerable child, we remember that you came for us, yes, absolutely, to redeem us from our sins and allow us to enter into right relationship with God. And for that, we are forever thankful. But thank you that you came to be with us through all of life's journey. And for each precious person here this morning, Lord, wherever they find themselves, perhaps in the midst of a storm, perhaps coming out of a storm, maybe about to go into a storm that they can't even see or not even aware of, Lord, may we each know in a very real and special way this Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.